And Ooh. I have Jack Skellington tattooed on, on my shoulder. Butt? On my butt, yes. Your sho- the shoulder of yeah. your butt? Jack, Jack, Skelly Jack butt. Skellington is crawling out of my... <laughs> 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 What's this? <laughs> Nerd On. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Nerd On, the podcast you didn't need, but you deserve. And where all levels of nerd are welcome. Y'all welcome here. Yep. Always. Always, always welcome. Take you into my bosom. I always I got <laughs> big arms for you. <laughs> big old arms. He does. He's been working out like crazy. And I'll uh, read stories to you until you fall asleep. Mm. That's true. That sultry, <laughs> sexy voice. Stop it, Joel. So, I'm Josh. I'm one of the hosts, obviously. Uh, I do the audio for the show. I'm a producer for the show. Do all the website stuff and things. And he also whatnot. hosts us all weekly. It's very nice. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we record uh, this show in my house. Well, so home uh, studio going. So it's on. like you're here too. No, we're in a castle. No, we're in a. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we're in a beautiful. We're in a spaceship. Harry Potter looking castle. We're in a yeah. penthouse that looks over all of downtown LA. Yes. Yes, let's do, let's get that let's get that rumor <laughs> mill started. Uh, we're gonna go different and not go left. We're gonna go right. Ooh, oh, right. Hey, this twist. is uh, Ali, uh, resident broadcaster, content creator, YouTuber, all the above. He's that oh, my guy. name's Corey. Uh, I've taken up residence in this room, uh, so I'm the resident resident. That's me. He has a cot. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I'm a filmmaker with Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. Uh, no, a content creator, uh, and I just love uh, the sound of my own voice, apparently. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, we all like to stroke each other's egos every once in a while. A little um, bit. My name's Tom. I am the resident comic book fanatic, film snob, uh, frat dude. Uh, car here. Car here. Mm-hmm. Um, Grandpa Spider-Man Tom. Grandpa, liaison. angry person. Uh uh, terminally Asian guy <laughs> in the room, uh, mm-hmm. residenting mm-hmm. Yes, here quite. today. Still, it's it's still, still sinking in. It's uh, just I'm it was crazy still... when I found out three years ago. It's yeah, like, oh that, my God, man, my that's life crazy. <laughs> so uh, we are going to be talking about films. Um, much like our video game episode, it's going to be our favorites. Yeah, um, what, get to know uh, us a little more. Yeah. Can Can I just pause real quick? I'm really happy you said. Films, yeah, because not movies. If you watched Entourage, okay, there's a director who's like, I don't make movies, I make films, and it's just <laughs> like that, 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 this brilliant upper, upper level of snobbiness that you need to like, oh, these are films, these are art, and hey, movies. I watch movies. This but, is Queens Boulevard, it's okay yeah, if you exactly. watch movies, bam. By but, the way. um, for me, I don't care, movies. Videos, films, but yeah, I like it's to call good. it films. But we to wanted the... to, we wanted to uh, let the viewers know a little bit uh, more about us, who we are, what brought us together, what brought us to the places we're at today. Our love for film. Why we you. decided to get together in a room, in a hot room, once a week to talk about these and things. And put a mic uncomfortably so close. Yeah. In leather seats. The only reason yeah. we chose to do this is because in we love it pants. so much, and we want to share some of that love with y'all. So yeah, yeah, we're going to talk about films. Who yeah. wants to start? I'll start this one. Uh, okay. This was a, a, a topic I was pretty excited about um, because I remember so vividly the moment it happening where I took film seriously, where I was like, holy shit, this, it blew my mind. Like, I don't think uh, when this happened to me, I was at a place mentally where I could understand everything that was going on. How old on. were you? 
I was like 14, 15, I it think. It blew your 14-year-old mind? Yeah. Okay. Um, it was in my film as lit class, actually. Oh, that's and, cool. Um, that's cool. My now wife was sitting behind me. I used to pass, Shout out to pass notes to her in class. I yeah, did not know notes. that. Fun yeah. fact. Pass notes to my, my, my wife and uh, my Was it one wife. of those ones that you would fold and into like creative shapes? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like absolutely. Football, the football kick? You know, the little triangles? The little triangles, yeah. Well, she would fold them. I didn't know how. So I'd fold them into like squares and then I'd get it back. It'd be really nice. It'd be like so, a heart. Or, yeah, whatever. Or it'd be a unicorn. Unicorn. So it was my film was lit class. Marin School of the Arts. Shout out to Marin School of the Arts. Uh, and it's Lawrence of Arabia. And, um, at the time, you know, we watched it over the course of, it probably had to be two weeks because it's so long. There's like an overture in the middle of it and everything, but I had (laughs) never been so in awe of something before. And, uh, everything from the acting to the score, to the look and just the grand scale of the whole thing. I don't know if you guys have seen it. You want to... For the viewers, for the listeners, for all the lovelies that don't haven't watched the movie, you want to explain like just a little summary of what it is. It's about it's about the life and times of uh, T. Lawrence, this gentleman uh, in the English army who uh, went, and I believe it's during it's been a while. It's World War One. Um, I could be totally wrong about that though. So it's w- during one of those famous world yeah. wars you might have heard uh, of. Here, Sir T. Lawrence, <laughs> the English officer who successfully united and led the diverse, often warring Arab tribes during World War One in the order of the fight, fight against the Turks. There it is. So um, there are specific scenes that this is this is one of those movies that to me is really brilliant with film language. Uh, to the point that every time I watch it, I'm learning something new. And like I said, when I was 15. I was not at a point where I could comprehend why I felt this way about film. I know that sounds so stupid, but like I'm feeling so many things. I was like, I really was like, it was, the, it was like my, my wife and I were joking about this the other day. We were talking about it. It was like, she's like, it's the only movie you didn't pass notes to me during because you were just <laughs> paying attention to it so Dang. much. Out um, of the honeymoon stage. That's what it was. And like, you know, David Leans is the, the director of it. And I've watched some interviews where Spielberg, it's one of Spielberg's favorite directors. And, you know, I, I've listened to a lot of my favorite, the people who inspire me, they're like, find out what I did was find out who inspired the people who inspired me. So this was kind of like my way of going, okay, so someone like Spielberg, if I want to be in film and going to the old gods, right? Exactly. What made, <laughs> what made him want to be great? And this is one of the movies he credits with that. And he says the same thing. I think he said he walked out of the theater halfway through and went back and had to see it another night because he was so overwhelmed with what he was like seeing. Like he couldn't believe it. Right. I mean, the transitions, there's this one transition. I don't know if, if you guys have seen it recently. I've seen it. Where he has this match and he blows it out. And the next, it's a jump shot to a sunrise. And, and, you know, David mm. Leans went up out into the desert at like three in the morning and waited for the sun to rise and got the shot. Um, uh, but the shot that, of course, everyone talks about uh, is the mirage sequence. I don't know if you recall this, but it was there was a special lens created and I have the exact lens size written down here. It was a 482 millimeter lens. He's and, showing me the notes. And it, and it was never used again. It was specially made for this shot and it now sits in a in like uh uh Panasonic's uh headquarters and it's just huh. framed up as like this is the lens. Like why would you ever need another 482 millimeter lens? <laughs> so uh why? But it, it's it's uh, beyond how it looks. There's something very magical about Peter O'Toole, especially in this movie, um, that I became fascinated with. And if you read up on anything about T.E. Lawrence, is like he wasn't 
uh, this this guy who went on this incredible, just this incredible journey, but he was kind of like a, a showman in a sense. Oh, sorry. He was a showman in a sense. Corey Hidden Mikes. So, uh, you know, with Peter O'Toole being in this role, he kind of took that in and did his, you know, uh, big character and larger than life kind of person. And Yeah. Um, I just, I love it. it. Like every time I watch that film, it's just this like I'm wrapped in a blanket kind you, of feeling. You know what's funny? Um, you described that Mirage sequence and not trying to make a tangent. I'll let you get back to it. Yeah. I'm not going to Kanye you the entire time. But um, the the okay. sequence you're telling me about the, the Mirage, uh, I remember as a kid. I, and so I didn't watch Lawrence Raven until like a year ago. And I texted you. I was yeah. watching it. Yeah. Um, because you told me to watch it. Um, Did you like I, it? Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. But I remember watching The Mummy, the the, the remake with Brendan mm-hmm. Fraser. Yeah. And I remember like the promo marketing for it. And then one of the promo marketing shots was literally Lawrence Arabia Mirage shot because that was such a big thing with one of the shots in The Mummy was Hamanoptera being a Mirage city. Yeah. yeah. And I remember like just like how it was like this huge homage to like the horror classics and it had this like really creepy violin thing. It would show like. Bram Stoker's like Dracula and all the black and white like mummy and like the swamp thing and all of a sudden it would show Lawrence Arabia. I was like, why the hell <laughs> is Lawrence Arabia in there? And I was just like, what? like that must be a scary movie. I remember thinking that as a kid. And I re- now I know why because you know most of the film takes place in the desert and then you know Lawrence Arabia kind of again going off that same mantra, world beginner and show stopper. Where yeah, like, yeah. It was this big thing where like, and I think I always found like I love like I said before uh, films that revolutionize the language. Yeah, so. and it definitely did. It's like it's. And some cool little fun facts that I found out about it since knowing we were doing this this episode and, and going back. Because when I was in, in high school, you know, I, I didn't know about, or even if it was a round or big enough, IMDb and trivia and stuff like that. And so I went through the trivia section of, of Lawrence Arabia. And I guess when they were scouting locations, David Leans came across, uh, there's this big scene where they, they um, derail a train, right? Uh, Lawrence leads the, the army to derail this train and stop it. And there's this beautiful shot of the army following his shadow, upon the tipped over train and David Leans actually found the wreckage of the train that T.E. Lawrence himself had uh, turned over during World War One, and it's in pristine condition because it's in the desert right so there's no rust anything like that uh, and you can still go see it which is kind of cool that's neat um, and uh, you know there's this uh, interview with, I was watching again with uh, Spielberg where he's talking you know he met David Leans and he's like he's one of my only heroes that I've met that didn't disappoint and like he's so intellectually beyond where I was filmmaking wise, but I could still connect with him on certain things. And he was asking him how he got these shots, you know, when they're walking three miles into the distance, how would you get rid of the footsteps to do shot two? And he went, my darling, there was no shot two. Like that's, yeah. you just do it when you're out there. And um, so it, it, it's, 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 if you get a chance to go through the trivia section on there, it's phenomenal. It's, it's, it's just beyond cool. It's always uh, very interesting to go through IMDb and just like uh, we were talking before this, uh, before recording about like clip clickbait on the internet. Yeah. It's just like sometimes, sometimes there's fun clickbait and you're like, oh, I didn't know that. I like I, like I went through one today, Ooh. they were like, you know, uh, famous people and their pa- famous parents at the same age. And I was there for like a half an hour looking yeah. at <laughs> celebrities and their children at the same age. And I, yeah. don't, I don't need to know that, but it's in my head now. I know exactly <laughs> how Tom Hanks and his now son look there. like at 23. So um, in, a, in a similar way where it's like there's clickbait on the Internet for like certain viral videos go viral, I think. You know, just since we're talking about films, like we're all pretty aware of what Oscar bait is, too. Yeah. Yeah. And how like there's oh, some yeah. films that like we know this is going to be the shot that's like going to get nominated for something for the design or for the cinematography, for the for the acting, for the performance, for the directing, for the producing. So um, what did you think was probably like the the shot? 
Do you think it's the Mirage shot? Or do you think it is the shot that, like, this is the film that, like... The Mirage shot, I mean, it's super cliche, but, yeah, it's a beautiful shot, and it was revolutionary at the time. It was, time. Uh, Having watched it recently again, the shot that stood out to me was uh, the one where, like I mentioned before, they've just won the battle of that train. They've toppled it. Lawrence is walking across, and you get this wonderful shadow because he's in all these robes, right? Mm And they're very fine robes. So the sun shines through them and it casts a shadow, but it's kind of, you know, you can see through it a little bit. And these armies are following behind this shadow so perfectly. And it's, it's to me, it was very beautiful. And for me, that was my favorite shot. Uh, if you get a chance to go look that up, please do so. Um, it's wonderful. Uh, my favorite scene, though, that stood out to me as far as acting wise is he comes back from the desert for the first time and he has one of the... Uh, the army people with him, who's not part of the British army and people are trying to stop him. And they're like, you can't bring him in there. And he's ignoring everyone. He's like, fuck off. I've been in the desert. I'm thirsty. I'm going to the bar and he's ignoring everybody. And he gets to the bar and he goes, two of your lemonades, please with ice. And people keep coming off up to him, trying to take the other guy. They're like, he can't be in here. And he like stops everybody. He's like, get your hands off him. We're having lemonade. (laughs) And like, it's, it's a a fantastic (laughs) scene. And he tells the officers are like, what are you doing here? He's like, we've taken Aqaba, the city. And they're like, yeah, right. You can't, you couldn't have. And he goes, well, I've done it. And he goes, well, what about the people who were there? He goes, we've taken them prisoner. I've done it all. And they're like, holy shit. So they get him the lemonades with ice and he gets to meet with the general. But there's just something about that scene of like seeing this guy who was in the British army, very upper class, very, um, you know, posh and correct coming back and being like, Rugged I've seen some shit. Yeah. I did what you wanted me to destroyed do. I'm fucking T.E. Lawrence. Fuck off. I, the like, I am a golden god. <laughs> They're like, it's impossible. I have and ultimate weapon. That, that, well, yeah, exactly. There's that, moment, there's that moment where he says it's impossible. He goes, how, how can you be sure? He's like, because I've done it. <laughs> like, Bitch. I just, that seems fantastic. <laughs> this is the beginning of Come At Me, Bro. Yeah, it was the yes. first Come At Me, Bro. For sure. Uh, wait. So, do you, go ahead. Do your question. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna transition to. So, would you say that it's more of the? It sounds like it's more of like the technical aspects of film. That's sort of well, like. No, the story itself is phenomenal. I mean, Peter mm. O'Toole brings life into this character, and for those of you who haven't seen it, um, in the very first scene, it's this guy, uh, T. E. Lawrence, Peter O'Toole's character, gets on a motorcycle, and you see him riding down these streets, and he crashes and dies. That's the first minute and a half of the film. Um, and, uh, which is a true story. He died in a motorcycle accident a couple years after he got back from World War One. Um, and I mean, a couple years, it was much longer than that. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but, uh, so right off the bat, you know, he dies and the rest of the movie is essentially a flashback of this man's life. And it's, it's really yeah. interesting to see this great man who did so many things, but in the back of your mind, the entire time, you know, but he just dies in a car accident, like a motorcycle accident. It's so crazy that life is strange that way, I think, is one of the morals of the, the movie that I got from it is yeah. like, you know, live in the moment. I mean, I talk about Tom all the time. Live in the moment. Live in the now. Don't wait to it. do the things you love <laughs> because you never know what could happen. I mean, here's this man who had one guy who had, you know, turned the tides of an entire area during World War One, crashed his motorcycle one day. So it, it's 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 dies. phenomenally acted. The score is is amazing. Uh, it's one of the few scores that I've downloaded and still have on my phone and listened to. Um, and the technical aspects, absolutely, yes. So, nice. yes, that's the film that made me take film seriously for the first time. Okay. And my wife noticed because I didn't pass her notes. That's the moral <laughs> of the story. <laughs> Out of a knot to a 
Jumanji 2, Welcome to the Jungle. <laughs> oh, How God. angry would you be if they made a reboot? If they made a reboot, I'd be furious. Starring. I, I, you know where Jumanji, Welcome oh, to the Jungle no. is at? Starring Sam Rockwell. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> oh, my God. Are you saying Sam Rockwell because you know he's my favorite? Yeah. <laughs> no, Sam Rockwell could never play T. Starring Thomas uh, Middleditch. Hollywood, never fucking touch this film. Don't do it. Please. Don't you do it. It's also one of those interesting films because it's not historically accurate. It's not. It too. It's been proven. There's a lot of stuff that's Hollywood, very Hollywood about it. Um, but at the time, there wasn't forums and blogs, and you know there weren't journalists being like, <laughs> there wasn't "This is inaccurate." Yeah, uh, there wasn't Tom. So there was you know, old it, Grandpa Tom. I don't think it would fly today either. Um, just the culture that we're in now. Um, and you know, we have you know Alec Guinness is playing is in like brownface. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's playing an Arabic gentleman and he's, you know, it's, it's. So you want Ewan McGregor to play it. Exactly. I want Ewan McGregor to be on face is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> got it, got it. Because um, I'm keeping this in so mind when I direct it. anything from so, that. So as far as one film goes, that's what, that's what got me to take it seriously. But the director that helped me understand film as a language. And I, I love that Tom uses that phrase all the time, film language, because I, I don't, and I'm trying to more. You uh, said it like four times. People keep count. How many times we're going to use this? So film language, film language is a language of film. Uh, is is David Fincher, and um, you know it started with me seeing Fight Club, Fight Club for the first time. And when I moved to New York on my own, that was Flight Club. My, I know I said Flight Club. First rule of Flight Club. <laughs> I somehow knew you were going to say that. Is buckle your seatbelt. What's that? I knew you were going to say that. Fight Club. No, David Fincher. Oh, David Fincher. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Who, have, by the way, we all know he has to blow. I have the biggest nerd on for David Fincher in the entire Which, world. Which it's so funny because you know that he just thinks everyone in the world is a pervert. Is a pervert. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's and so the whole fact thing. that you have to blow him. Yeah, and you have he a gets heart it. On for him. He gets it. He He's knows. gonna love it. Um, Speaking of which, he has a new show on Mind Netflix, Hunters? which is well, fucking amazing. I haven't seen it yet. Time stamping. I know. Uh, it's been out forever, guys. <laughs> but uh, so we can take that back. So it started with Fight Club. When I moved to New York, it was kind of this movie I had on repeat in my apartment all the time because I wasn't I wasn't very happy out there. I'll be honest. I wasn't. I learned a lot about life. Was miserable the entire time. But it was this this little piece of home. I feel like I could keep going back to, and I knew it so well, and I loved it so much. Um, and the more I knew about it, like trivia wise, behind the scenes stuff, or little ways that with that movie. I mean, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it. Uh, oh, fuck that. No little spoilers. little ways that you would find that Fincher had put in clues about who's Tyler and whatever. Um, really fascinating. Like when the car overturns and uh, Edward Norton character actually gets out on the driver's side, even though in the whole scene he was in the passenger seat. Stuff like that. It really inspired me to kind of look more into his stuff and really pay attention to these little kind of idiosyncrasies in film. Um, so I credit him. I've I've seen most of his his catalog I'm still working through all of it but to me he's my top guy yeah I saw I agree with that I saw uh, there was a video I watched where they were talking about David Fincher and I think it was because of Mindhunters um, that has been out for such a long time but they finally yeah. got to talking about it on YouTube <laughs> yeah uh, it's been out for years years and years <laughs> uh, but they were talking about how he uses the camera as sort of like a like a like a Object, yeah, is that what you're mouthing at me? I was like, omniscient, yeah, it's Omni omniscient. Well, yeah, it's, it's the it kind of follows the character, it's not just like the very closely, wall. right? It's a part, yeah, of it's the not scene. just observing the scene, it's like uses a lot of and his big thing is he never uses, I think he only has one or two times per uh movie where he uses a handheld, he if ever. hates handheld, and, yeah. yeah, and he said it in, in 
in interviews where uh, he wants the camera to show the audience like what you're seeing is doomed to happen. It's not yeah. a perspective of somebody. It's the perspective of the world. And these people are doomed to live in it. And so that's why most of the shots are CGI very shots. And yeah. Well, and most of the shots are very not biased to a character. They're just like, this is what it is. This was taking place. He'll use it to like create dramatic tension and enriching the film language yeah, yeah. thank but, you film yeah language. um this is the last thing i'll say on it and we'll move around the room here uh yeah, there up, is a uh, i'll give a shout out to another youtube channel here uh every frame of painting has a wonderful breakdown of a scene from the movie uh seven uh, in so seven and in and uh <laughs> it uh, <laughs> if you look at the title how it's yeah, written no, no, so I seven know. In, I know. uh no. there's a scene in the chief's office where he uses the camera to tell who's in charge by where the camera's positioned and who it's showing at what angle. And it's broken down shot for shot, and it's f- fucking brilliant. The fact that David Fincher usually only takes adapted screenplays, and most of those screenplays are all from books, or they're huge dialogue parts, and he makes dialogue crazy interesting, is literally the the telltale of a master at their yeah. work. And I mean, this is from the guy who did Alien Three, which was like everyone's like, "Who's the worst one?" Blah 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 blah. Chuck Palahniuk went on record to say that David Fincher made a better ending to Fight Club than he wrote. That's pretty fucking cool. Pretty awesome. So that's those are my two. A little more about Corey. Take it or leave it. Lawrence of Arabia, David Fincher. Maybe David Fincher should remake Lawrence of Arabia. I don't know. Be a fucked up version of. Yeah, it would be great. (laughs) Actually, you know what? I take back what I said, Tom. If they do it, it has to be Fincher. There we go. No, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> uh, I'll I'll go. I'll go. Um, yeah, Jajua. Um I don't have a I don't have a story like that. I don't have a this was the film that changed my I don't have your that. wife wasn't in your high school film no, class? <laughs> no. Funny story, my wife is older than me. Um so me when it comes to film, film is incredibly important to me. Um, that's probably where my nerd on started for this show yeah. was I wanted to talk about film. Your raging nerd on? My raging, veiny nerd on. Because you do, oh. I mean, you do sound for a living. Yeah, I yeah. do post production wow. sound for film and TV. But what's funny is like when I was growing up, it's not funny. Um, it's quite sad. <laughs> it's actually quite sad. Have you seen the opening of Up? It's like that. It's, a, it's, it's like funny a, like Up. No. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> Sorry. Not to uh, not to get too personal on the show, but uh, you know personal, my child my childhood was pretty difficult, and so film for me was an escape. It really yeah. was, and so I watched a lot of movies when I was a kid, you know. And we've we've mentioned some of them, like Indian in a Cupboard, uh, Sandlot, all those Disney white clamshell um, films. Yeah. I was born in the eighties, so Why is you the have clamshell white. Oliver and Company. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> Oliver and Company. Um, you have Ghostbusters. You have Back to the Future. I'm a huge Back to the Future fan. Uh, Ghostbusters. Shout out to um, Netta. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> my friend Netta is obsessed with those movies. Awesome. So, I mean, there's listens. there's a lot of films growing up. I mean, some big ones are, like, when I was in high school, you know, I went to midnight showings of, oh, like, Lord of the Rings. Back when they Lord of the Rings, the Harry Potter I movie. I forget to talk about Lord of the Rings. <laughs> God damn it! Don't worry, I'll cover that. There's not your time anymore. Um, I know, I know. I took up a lot of time. You know, one of my favorite movies growing up, and it's I, I have several tattoos, 
but two of them are nerdy. Mm. One of them has to do with Harry Potter, and the other one has to do with Nightmare Before Christmas. And Ooh. I have Jack Skellington tattooed on, on my shoulder, butt? on my butt. Yes, your sho- the shoulder of yeah. your butt. Jack, Jack, Skelly Jack butt. Skellington is crawling out of my. <laughs> <laughs> What's this? It's Halloween. Um, <laughs> it's Halloween in there. What's this? It's Halloween. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> so, um, but the the fun story about Nightmare Before Christmas is that I was a really shy kid, and um, I one of my friends talked me into doing a play and auditioning for a play, and I went to a really small high school, and the director, the drama director, what he would do is he would turn films into plays. Awesome! And so, Nightmare Before Christmas was his first. Um, venture into that kind of no my first venture into that so i did it and um i auditioned and it was my first role ever if we're not counting second grade when i was the angry clam that's Um, well i count that josh okay (laughs) i was in the nightmare before christmas my character is very small part but it was the guy that had a machete out of his head and he went bunny that was me bunny (laughs) so that was me that started my acting and um a good step in (laughs) right yeah so I love Nightmare Before Christmas, but my story for film really started when I started working. Yeah. Fun fact about Nightmare Before Christmas I just learned. Yeah. Uh, from Princess Bride, Prince Humperdinck mm-hmm. is the voice of Jack Skellington. Oh, man. Just learned that. And Danny Elfman is the singing song, voice. Singing yeah. voice of it. But, Which is amazing because yeah. they... It's it's one thing to watch like a musical movie, and then sometimes you can notice the difference between the speaking voice and the singing voice. It's pretty phenomenal and what they what they sound like. Um, My film became even more important to me when I started working at Hollywood video. Shout out to Hollywood video and game crazy. Oh man. Rest in peace. Um, The first day that I started, uh, there was this guy there. I I don't remember his name, but I remember he was kind of like, kind of a surfer. That guy. Shout out to (laughs) that guy. Um, I just remember him. My first day we're we're straightening the the collection because every day when you're working at a video store, Imagine having to reorganizing reorganize your film collection every day. Oh yeah, and what? so we'd have to make it pretty every day. And so customers don't pay attention to stuff where they no. are on the shelves ever. Yeah, yeah. So hmm. we had to go through, and so we're and also there was always fun conversations while you're doing that. Like of course, a game we used to play was um, read movie titles, but if they were porn films, <laughs> I, won. Like I won. That. I won. And the film was Exit Wounds. Jesus. <laughs> Fuck, man. That's where Jack Skellington came from. You didn't from. even start us off with like a for example. You just went straight to Exit Wounds. Okay. Oh my God. Sorry. So he. That's he, like taking out someone diving for the first time. You're like, we're going to start at two meters. Like that's where we're going to be 20 meters, 2,000 leagues. That's where we're going to start at. No, Damn. I went there. Exit Wounds. All right. So, no, he would ask me, hey, have you seen this? Like, no, I haven't. Cool. You're renting it tonight. So I would do that. First one he ever asked me was, hey, have you seen Evil Dead? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Have you seen Evil Dead? And I was like, no, I haven't. So I I rented. He was like, okay, well, you're getting Evil Dead. You're getting Evil Dead 2. And you're getting Army of Darkness. And you're going to watch them. And we'll work tomorrow. And we'll talk about them. And so I did that. And then it just continued. Hey, have you seen this? No, I haven't. And so that is what where my attitude about films kind of comes from is it's like, Hey, have you seen this? No, I haven't, but I'll try it. 
And so it's try anything. It was almost yeah. like a buffet for you. Yeah. And so <laughs> it was exactly. just like, hey, try yeah. this. Hey, try this. Hey, try this. It was almost like my 21st birthday when like I was getting shots just given to me. Like before I, yeah. I was like, have you tried this? Have you tried this? It's like a rap, a rap song. You kids might know. like, hey, bitch, try this. you don't up at the end. No. So that's the nice flavored vodka. Just that. Mm. Gets me right here if I ever think about my 20. Vodka? First, uh, I can't mel- drink vodka. Melon flavored vodka. Ooh. It gives Ooh. me, like, just. Uh, uh, my, just my buddy made me drinks with marshmallow. Tastes vodka. like blackout. Yeah. <laughs> tastes like blackout. It tastes like, like bad dreams. <laughs> sweet, sweet taste of black. All the regrets I've this had. Tastes like regrets. <laughs> tastes like burning. So, um,. So, yeah, it, it really started there. And like Hollywood video, I met so many really amazing people that were like, oh, hey, have you seen this? And I would always I'm always one of those people that's like, hey, have you seen that? No, I haven't, but I'll try it. Why not? I'll watch it. And if it's bad, OK, whatever. I watched it and entertained me. Great. All right. And so, you know, some of my favorites. I love The Big Lebowski. That's yeah. pro- if I had to select a favorite Whoa. film. That's the thing. It's hard for me to select a favorite film, but, but if, if I had, had to, to, gun against your head, probably The Big Lebowski is probably the my dude favorite. Abides. That's, that's a great choice. Dude dude abides. And um, it's Fucking something that I try to. Um, Roger Deakins. Why is it your favorite? You know, it, it's wow. God damn. Gun to your head. Gun to your head. Just a feeling. It's just. I feel it <laughs> in my stomach. No, is um, it the White Russians you make. Yeah, I do like a white Russian. Russians. Yeah, oh, it, you mean just hurt. vodka milk? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, no, no clue at all. Um, the humor of it, the dialogue, the dialogue makes me laugh every time, even though I've I've heard fucking Donnie. You can't like, go wrong with Goodman. Even though I have heard it so many times, the way the 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 actors are. Shout out to Goodman. It's Shout this. Out to Goodman. It's almost like an antihero. Yeah. Oh, it is absolutely. It, it, no, it is. It's an antihero, and I just love that he is just so. The the dude is such an antihero, and I have tried to. <laughs> What does he say dude? when they like are putting him in the toilet and he's like, I don't know, let me, what does he say? <laughs> I think it's down there, let me check again or something like that. <laughs> yeah, his, gets his, me every his time. snarkiness, obviously you're not a golfer. Like it's just yeah. like this, the, the back and forth. He and just the room the, together, man. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's actually, that's why I have a rug in my recording studio. Oh my studio. God, that's wow. why this is here? Because it really pulls the room together. It does really pull wow. the room together. Right? If someone took this rug, I'd be mad. Yeah, I you. would be pissed. That's I would good prank, I guys. would go April Fools. <laughs> so I just I love that film. It's one of those even just the I'll be Donnie. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking Donnie. Um. So yeah, I the dude is just one of those characters that I just I want to emulate. I want to be the dude. I just everyone. I mean, yeah. Everybody. And you know that you know that was all his real clothes, right? The jellies and everything yeah. were. Yeah. Were uh, he. Um, he does something really, really cool. Jeff Bridges, every film that he does, he creates a photo album. Yeah, he has he a takes, book. But yeah, and yeah. it's I want cool. that book They're so bad. beautiful pictures. Anybody oh, listening wants to buy me the book, go ahead. <laughs> Don't even know. Feel free. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, another big thing from my childhood, Monty Python. I was introduced to Monty Python when I was like, when I probably shouldn't have been. Oh, sure. And Which like, one did you see first? <laughs> the meaning of life. Holy uh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's mine, was, mine was Holy Grail. Okay. Mine I mean, but Grail. that's everybody's first, like yeah. Monty Python. But I saw Meaning of Life and I was like, I was hooked. I was like, yeah. and then we just kept watching it. And so that's why my humor is a little kind of off. And yeah, I mean, I love British humor. I think they're actually funnier than Americans. Do you have a favorite Python? A favorite Python? Mm-hmm. Um, the red one. The red one. <laughs> that. That constrict really the boa really constrictor. Yeah. <laughs> Probably you. John Cleese, uh, and I'll say why. Um, yeah. 
he's the straight man of the group. He his his humor is he's kind of the guy that's stuck in this weird situation and he's like and he goes with it. Yeah. And but because he is that with all these insane characters around him, it just makes it so funny when he has his one liners and you're like, oh, my God. That's I've, a, yeah, I've go told ahead. Corey ever since I watched. I've, so the first one, uh, Monty Python I've seen was Meaning of Life. I got to watch it for film school. Yeah. And I told Corey that John Cleese would be my pick for Alfred. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah he said that a lot. Interesting. He would, he would be my pick. I like how you said that he's a straight man because he really is. I mean, even the scenes like the silly one. And they knew that about him. Like when they were, I've watched a few documentaries on the creation <laughs> yeah. of that group and they knew that about him and they thought it was fucking hilarious. They were like, we need to, we need to have him in our group. Yeah. We need to do this. And but even, even in the silly walk where he's walking around like crazy, he's, he's not still, the odd man because yeah. the guy doing the not so funny walks, uh, Palin yeah. is is the odd man in that yeah. sketch. And he's a straight man. He goes, no, you're not getting it. The silly walks is like, yeah, it's wonderful. I never really put two and two together like that. That's really yeah. great. Yeah. And um, I mean, I just, I love the parrot sketch. It's one of my favorite oh, things. I did that uh, in high school. I did too. I, when I would, when I went to Cal arts for an acting program and they the had argument a talent sketch. show. Yeah. Y'all, you remember yeah. when we, when we didn't do that? In you guys school? remember when yeah. you guys went to theater school? Yeah. College, man. No, yeah, man. No books. books, dorms, tuition, oh, man. Bad times. I did, I did theater in college. God damn it! Ooh, <laughs> oh, yeah. only one that didn't did do theater. theater? I was <laughs> prop master for a play. Yes, nice. Yeah, solid. Not one backstage. Bone. People don't give credit okay, to backstage. Tom. It was a uh, much ado about I still nothing. Love you. Ooh, it was the adaptation that. though. It was set in like. 60s Omaha. <laughs> <laughs> I did a little bit of not kidding. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so so yeah, you know, it's when I think of movies that have shaped my childhood, and I think Monty Python. Now that I think about it, it really was something that helped me because I did have a difficult childhood, and so when difficult things happen to me, make it funny. Yeah, just make yeah. it fucking. Are you funny. a fan of Time Bandits as well? Mm-hmm. No, not as much. There's not a lot of hand gestures. That's for okay. Not as much. Okay. Um, or not at home. Um, Return the map. <laughs> That's all I remember from that. I just, I, I mean, it's just when I think of those movies, I just think of one-liners that I'm just like, oh my god. Gilliam's a little, uh, a little more abstract than. Well, I mean, you have Brazil. Yeah. I mean, you watch Brazil and you're like, oh fuck. <laughs> I got a question for you. Yeah. yeah. Not for you, Corey. Oh. Um, fuck off. Sound Corey. designer, sound engineer. Yeah. What do you How think? That... What film? What film do you think has the best of that? Exit wounds. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know <sighs> I want to get your professional opinion on this. My professional opinion. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Or is there stage. one that kind of pushed you towards it? Oh, that pushed me towards. Um, so post production, post production audio kind of fell in my lap in a weird way, okay. sort of. Um, right I wanted to be a musician. No, I, I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. get there. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna fall down the rabbit hole for a second. But that was one thing I always recognized about films that was just so good. When I think, I don't really have a favorite. Like, ooh, the sound is so good. It's, I can appreciate creative choices like. I know they fucking suck, but Transformers, some of their, <laughs> the, that actually ref- revolutionized some sound design nowadays as we know it, mm. just as kind of like the, some of their, the sounds that they used. Um, I like when somebody uses sound and music together. And that's what, um, like for the film that I'm working on with you, it's like, I'm trying to figure out while I'm watching it, how can I work with the music? And that when I'm working with a director, I always want to. I'm always like, I need the, I need the score. 
He says you as yeah. in me, Tom. Sorry. Guys. Tom <laughs> and Corey and, yeah. did hey. a film together. because Tom's film. I was Corey just doesn't it. do film without Tom. I do, yep. Tom, Tom, Tom films. <laughs> and uh, I'm doing the post-production sound. But um, that's to clarify, what I Tom, It's Tom's film. I was just, oh my God. I just acted in it. I swear to God. It's very oh, important. It's I think that's really film. important. So oh. I, I appreciate it's hard for me to pinpoint like a, a oh, yeah, that, it's that film. I forget what documentary I was watching. And maybe this is attributing to why uh, you can't pinpoint one. And it was it was someone in sound. It was some behind the scenes thing. And they're like, if you're doing it right, no one will notice. Yeah. So yeah. I think there's something to that, that you can't yeah. pinpoint what it was. But uh, if you're doing it right, you shouldn't, you know, if you're telling the story right, all aspects of the movie, you shouldn't notice something like, like yeah. that. I'll, I'll, I'll give the counter because I think it's both. You have to be able to appreciate both. Kind of like you have to be able to appreciate the bitter and the sweet. Um, yeah. Like so when like some people say like the invisible cut is the best versus like the cut you see. So like the invisible cut where you don't see ha- things happening, maybe like the beautiful like jump cut from like a match going out to a sunrise mm-hmm. or to like a Hitchcock where the sound is actually cutting off the cuts where the knife is hitting the woman's back. Yeah. Where it's actually the sound is cutting you as the right. audience versus the cuts itself. So it's like there is very intentional things there. It's not like it's invisible where it's like it's very smooth. You see the blood and guts where it's like oh god it's just it's like giving me almost a seizure at this yeah point. i get what you mean so i mean it's a little in between yeah, yeah it's, it's i get what they're saying and i thought that yeah. was very, very i mean that's what i was I, taught I with your argument as well Tom. that's what i was taught in audio school is that if you're doing your job right you don't hear anything yeah you it just it's the world yeah right it's the soundscape I think that's what I mean it is the and so i mean there are creative decisions that i mean one decision i always will love is and I don't know if this film is the first one to do it but I know that it started it kind of anyway I'm fucking rambling <laughs> um saving private Ryan the the saving shell Ryan shock mm. yeah. yeah and oh, yeah. everything is filtered uh, all the high ends are filtered but the frequency like the like if you get hit in the head like there's this high frequency that's going through it and I just did fucking gets me a nerd on every time I see it. I just like see it <laughs> and hear it. That whole movie does. I mean, it's a phenomenal film. It's a great film, but they've done it in other films and I'm like, hey, kudos. Awesome. Yeah. I really fucking love that. Well, it's it's about Private uh, Ryan. Yeah. Cool. Hey. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that that, I can't think of a film that did it before it and when I ever think of like the shell, so- the shell shock sound, I'm like, oh yeah, Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. It's kind of like or the, the, the porn g- version. Yeah. <laughs> Saving, Saving Ryan's, Ryan's Private. Private. Well, it's free my really. It's yeah. about pulling you into well, like that experience that and like the whole part argument of like you you shouldn't notice it if it's done correctly. I think it's you do notice it, but you know you can't point it. You can't point at it, right? It becomes yeah. like greater than like some of its parts it's like it's or whatever the thing, thing. Where it's almost. yeah, it's the whole experience. Just you're just like in there. One part of the machine. One woman did that yeah. shell shock. I just got to do the comic book thing one more time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Actually, one thing I will say is that. What I do notice when I'm watching films is when they creatively use 5.1 oh. and you're watching a film and you're like, oh, fuck, that came out from the, the rear right. Oh, that's a really interesting choice to do. Oh, that's so cool. Like, it's like, oh, that I wonder how they fucking. Oh, OK, they did. Yeah. And I get all technical because I, I always say like and I've said it on previous episodes, it fucking sucks to watch a film with me and my wife because <laughs> a will be like going, that's going to happen. But I'll be like, oh fuck! So he probably did automation, and he made the he probably did a filter. You just like remove that. the magic from it completely, Josh. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! 
he's probably using this plugin that does the, oh my God, it's so cool. I'm going to try that. (laughs) Stop it. What did you think of? You mean uh, he has shell shock? (laughs) (laughs) There's a couple movies that I saw recently uh, in the last few years that I think were, were just blew my mind as far as audio goes. Dunkirk. Um, I actually haven't seen Dunkirk. That I I need to. As far as sound did, goes, yeah, drives a driving force in a film in recent years. That's probably like one for of me, me. One of them was the Tron most. Legacy, mm. and yeah. then and then uh, Godzilla. Believe it or not, like the the it newer had cool sound. Yeah. yeah, Brian Cranston dies in the first ten minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was great. False, but no, <laughs> I like the movie. Um, Just, I, th- I think they both had like incredible sound design, and Tron specifically has like good sound that sort of like melds in with the music, and you can't really tell them apart. And Tron Legacy, yeah. Was, yeah. Uh, one Daft of those Punk, surprise baby. movies mm-hmm, for me mm-hmm. that I didn't think I was going to like going into. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, a buddy of mine re- recommended it. It's one of his favorites. But uh, he was like, check it out. And I was like, ah, all right. And by the end Fine. of it, I was like, fuck, that was amazing. <laughs> Why aren't they making another one of these? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm so sad that they aren't. Yeah. So that ends my thing about film. I guess I can uh, lead that right into mine. So for me, it's Lord of the Rings. Um, <sighs> yes. It's so mad. Lord of the Rings is is such a original trilogy, right? Yeah. Original. God damn you. <laughs> we, we have to ask. We don't talk about the Hobbit. Uh, it's hey. not even called Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Hey, we talked about the, the third Spider Man movie. I'll say this. My answer. That's just called the Hobbit, not Lord of the Rings. If you haven't seen the Hobbit out there, you're lucky. My my answer is Lord of the Rings, and I have not seen the third Hobbit movie. Me neither have I. Okay. So I that should the third tell you. Hobbit movie is really good. Yeah, but the, other the two first two were whatever. Uh, if it was two movies, it's, it's not the same thing. Would have been great. I'd, now I don't know if this is because of the reason it's my answer. I think it was just a point in my life where I was like fifteen or what, however old I was when, the, when those no, movies started coming out. Ali, it was, it was not because yeah. of that. I watched those films. Uh, every, I mean, I watch them every year, but specifically, I start January first off with watching one of the Lord of the Rings films. Yeah, uh, in subsequent order. So last year I watched Two Towers, meaning I'm watching Return of the King. This that's interesting. First, yeah, but I like to start my year good. The movie's phenomenal. I actually, me and a buddy of mine started a uh, a forum. A like we ran a (laughs) forum for it for a while. Uh, So, but it goes beyond that. And I don't think that was until I got like the extended cuts on DVD. And it wasn't even like the movies, of course. From the four-hour-long movie to a six-hour-long movie? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. No, no, no. They're they're four and a half each. Yeah, they're four and a half or something like that. But it wasn't even that. Like, that is on its own level. But this is like, the reason for this answer is like transcends that. And that's me watching the behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. The like Mm -hmm. eight-hour-long, like behind the scenes footage. 48 hours now. (laughs) it's like yeah it's like something crazy it's but a, I, it's a i've seen that i've seen that like multiple times and and when i used to live in nebraska and i had nothing better to do our house had uh like when we bought our house it had a theater built into its basement oh my god yeah so why'd you move? and it had what's that why'd you move i don't know i i because what do people do in nebraska Hey, you have I a love theater in Nebraska. your basement. You watch fucking movies. Yeah. You die in your day. theater. You I would die happily. happy. That's what you do. With what LA has given me, I would happily move to Nebraska <laughs> <laughs> on a moment's notice. Yeah, I think they have Google Fiber too. So they probably do. Cool. Yeah, yeah. We should just go. Yeah. <laughs> Can I Skype in from now on from from Nebraska? <laughs> sure. That no, 10 but gigabyte was, per second internet. I think oh, you do just fine. Yeah, I'll I'll give you like a 4K like video conference. <laughs> you won't even know I'm gone. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a 3D interactive video of all. <laughs> in his pajamas we all have oculus riffs on to watch him <laughs> it's like that google fiber life yeah but uh it was watching those behind the scenes and 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 really starting to discover 
like what it takes to put a movie like that together. Like well, the just history the magic that went into it too. Right? Yeah. And it, for the first time I began to appreciate what it takes to build a universe. Like, even though it, like it's not Peter Jackson's original work or whatever down to the languages. Yeah. They had to like just, make languages, yeah. like the design of like the weapons and the architecture was specific to each race. But the Eagle thing that Eagle not showering at all, breaking yeah. his toe, <laughs> breaking his toe on the <laughs> and kick, making it into the cut. Yeah, I love which I love, and like that whole watching that whole experience, then building Hobbiton and why did I say Hobbiton? Hobbiton. I like saying Hobbiton. Words. Hobbiton. I, I like saying it's a Transformer, right? Yeah. <laughs> Megatron. Hobbiton. Hobbiton. <laughs> I like. I like misspeaking Jorney on purpose <laughs> yeah. just I to like trigger that. people. Uh, my wife makes fun of me because I say Devonshire instead of Devonshire, the <laughs> word, because it has Shire in it and I'll never say it any other way. Like Wilshire? <laughs> and the Wilshire. lost land of Devonshire. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime I go to the corner of Wilshire, I go, we're going to Wilshire today. <laughs> yeah. You will see a glorious 7-Eleven. If I have any to say Shire, I'm taking it, Josh. No, uh, I do the same thing. I know. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> defensive gonna, about it. I'm, you're going to say Josh. I'm, I'm really saying my wife's name in my head because she gives me shit shout about it. Shout out to his wife. <laughs> shout out to, yeah, shout out to Dana. And I could, and I could honestly I could go on for this for like 24 another, hours. 200 hours. We're going to do, do an, an episode. episode. Yeah. yeah. But, God. But to, but to try to, right in 5.1, don't be sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do an combined. <laughs> God. But the re- the real like those of like those aren't even the reasons like that I just stated that why it made me want to become eventually I'd like to do film stuff Ooh. at the time it wanted me to become Talk a to filmmaker me. Talk nerdy like, to me baby I wanted to be a director at, like because of this and from that has come like I want to be a storyteller and a universe like creator which I've kind of done a little bit of already uh, and it's and it was when they were talking about building I think it was like towards the end of the first movie where they're fighting the orcs or the Urukai or something yeah. on that hill. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you mean Lurtz, the Urukai who kills, uh, Boromir? Boromir Sean, yeah. Sean Bean? Sean Bean, Sean the walking Bean. Sean Bean, the guy that dies. <laughs> the walk, the walking. Walk. <laughs> I was just yeah. going to say that. Oh, yeah. yes. Uh, but I think Do the hobbits or Frodo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ollie, I won't interrupt. They, <laughs> go ahead. They, uh, I think uh, I'm pretty sure this happens. I, I have to go back and like, look and see if it was you. this specific scene but it was I think the hobbits like either climb on top of or go behind some like giant head mm-hmm. that's just like there in the ground yeah and it's like that's a ruined statue yeah like I'm I'm watching this movie that took place in the whatever like 1100s quote unquote middle earth yeah but right. there's a layer underneath that that is a, a civilization that goes before that even like a whole bunch of stories and a whole bunch of universe and sets of characters that probably existed and tells you the story of why the statue is now on its face oh, and, yeah. and just Guaranteed. the depth yeah. that, and it, you don't have to explain what that statue is. You don't have to explain like anything about it's it. It's kind of like what you liked a lot about the blackout in twenty forty. Yeah, exactly. It's like not knowing there's things in this world that you just have to accept. It makes you feel like you're lived, like it's a lived in universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, that like right there, I was like that just fascinated me beyond like it's rich. to no end. Yeah. Oh yeah, the, the, and I was like, wow! Like if I ever create a universe or a world, it's gonna have like years and like, years, like, so much depth well, and like it's kind of like that. I'll probably never bring up like hundreds of surface, years happen yeah, but it'll story even it'll be there it's for those who want to notice it. That made Blade Runner so good is like showing a well lived world. Like show yeah. that little bit of yeah. extra. Like they could have made that a fucking tree or a log and saved on production budget, but it was important that that was there. Yeah. And maybe, and maybe because it was like an adaptation of a book, but it was just like 
all the little things like the wood elves and 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 wanting to learn more about them and that's why we know got more the four and a about... half hour version. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and yeah, which is why I like like the four and a half hour versions makes the Twin Tower my favorite one of the three movies. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um because and the reason is funny enough is because just the characters of Boromir and Faramir and, and and their father, which is like not what I've been talking about for the past ten minutes or whatever. Yeah. Um but that, that like that just shows you that becomes so important. Why the movie's so incredible is because it has that like that spectrum of yeah. having these grand, you know, scale things and bringing you back down to, you know, the human condition, the human. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, that's my, that was my turning point. There's one scene in there and maybe you agree with me that I'm so sad. Didn't make it into theatrical cut and it's the mouth of Sauron. It's very oh, yeah. Guillermo del Toro, but yes. I fucking love that scene. Yeah. Oh, so he's got an eye, the mouth, mouth of Sauron and how many other, Parts of his body. Well, no, this like, is this is just the one. It's just the mouth. But it, it it's. Have you guys seen that scene with the mouth of Sauron? No. It's you said it didn't make it in altered there. his mouth to be like huge. So to be larger. And it's yeah. Very like I say, Guillermo del Toro. I think that's pretty spot on with yeah. how it looks. Uh, Wait. No. Yes. Yes, I have. If you seen haven't it. checked it out, those of you listening, go look it up because it's it's a great scene, and I'm sad that they cut that. But I get it. I mean, I get it. Yeah. Just I mean, Two Towers has a lot of Google different things now? that when that when the Lord of the Rings episode happens, it's uh, like I think this conversation is going to be around two towers oh, for, for most of it. The nerd on I'm going to have for that. We're going to have to have a break. Cause I, cause <laughs> I just remembered all of the stuff with, uh, uh we're going to have an intermission with the city. Are you talking with, with, uh, with Gondor, the white no, city or no, Rohan? No, no. Rohan. Yeah. Like Rohan and itself. And King is just like you, you get this out of the music all of a sudden became yeah. like, a <laughs> yeah, but anyways, uh, the mad King and Grima word and tongue. And I, th- I told you to take his staff. <laughs> Fucking love that scene. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I told like, you to take the wizard stuff. He's oozing. Crying. He's oozing. Uh, but uh, to quickly give you my favorite, uh, one of my favorite directors right now that is a big influence uh, storytelling-wise, it's uh, uh, Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Um, and Sorry. for me, I don't know if that's a or the brown pants or, today. Uh, <laughs> Did he direct uh, in the white fronts. exit ones? Or <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and really, it's more about his uh, the way he's able to uh, to just carry the flow of a movie through yeah. without interruption and just the way he can tell a story. So f- like almost effortlessly and have you stay interested in the pacing or everything like that. So like structure wise, I'm a huge fan of what Nolan's able to do. Oh um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think namely, he's- namely from uh, the dark Knight. dark Knight. If I could go back in time and he, and he said, Ollie, you can go back and have, one of your theatrical experiences again. Oh wow! From scratch, yeah, it was seeing like, The Dark Knight for the first yeah. time. Like that movie. Never like, forget your first time. Oh wow! It's not. I, I wouldn't no. say it's my favorite movie, but it was. It was my favorite like theatrical experience of See, it's, watching. It's a movie. funny you say that because I always the most vivid theatrical memory I have is actually uh, Fellowship. Fellowship. I saw it with my dad, and I got home, and little. Little known me, did he know I would love it because he grew up reading them, right? And watching yeah. the cartoons. I got home, talked about it with him the entire way there, and he had the, the books waiting for me on the table. Oh, yeah. Awesome. And, and you just really ate those cool. up, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. I ended up watching The Dark Knight five times in the same day in theaters mm. because everyone knew I was a Batman wow. fan. Yeah. I was literally it's, on was the rough. edge of my seat for parts of it. Yeah. Like, literally, like, I've, like you say that's a saying, but I was like actually on the edge of my seat. People, yeah. <laughs> people. So the thing is, like, the reason why I watched it five times in the theater is because, like, so many people knew I was into Batman. They were like, "I want to watch Batman with you," 
And I was like, uh, cool. Like, so cool, like, cool, cool, literally, cool. I watched it the night before on Friday, and on Saturday, starting from 9 a.m. till 9 p.m., I was in a fucking get a schedule, theater, and people were like, "Oh, we'll watch at the 10 o'clock show, we'll watch at the one o'clock show, we'll watch at the three o'clock show." And I was like, "Oh my god!" And like, I loved it, but I remember it just just like you were saying, people came, like my friends were next to me, were like, "Is this like how it is the entire movie? Like, the entire." Movie, baby. Yeah. <laughs> the reason it's Buckle on everyone's seat, top baby. list is the greatest superhero movie of all time. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's the movie that changed the way I view casting. It's just a good film. Because I was on that hate train against Heath Ledger when mm. they were like, Heath Ledger's dark. I was like, yeah, right. His, from uh, fucking Knight's Tale? Yeah. Please. Yeah. The interrogation scene is like, just, I can't even like words. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, just him punching him over and over again and him like laughing, being like, you you have, you have no and I give credit to Christian nothing to Bale do with as all well. your strength. Yeah, have nothing to do with all your strength. Christian like, Bale, like, oh knowing my god, giving Heath the room to, you know, conduct that scene as well yeah. is a huge thing to do as an actor. Not wanting to be like, what about my stuff? He was like, no, it's this guy's fucking scene. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna play to it. A really beautiful thing that uh, Nolan talked about was the shooting, how he shot the Joker in most of the shots because you have to have like I can't even see it sometimes. It's like the Joker will bob in and out mm-hmm. and he'll go in from hard focus to soft focus, hard focus, to soft focus, not out of focus, soft focus. Yeah. Which is like such a minuscule detail, but it's just knowing that that's actually the train of thought the Joker has where he's in hard focus and soft focus, like as that yeah. plays in the story, it's like, oh. so no, that's a, that's a good transition. I think uh, I Christopher just, Nolan to, just, uh, to Tom's. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're cutting the episode short. No Tom. <laughs> no, fuck Tom. Um, <laughs> And nerd on. I just thought, <laughs> and as always, <laughs> um, when you were saying your first um, like vivid memory of going to, I just had this funny thought of my first, like my first memory, like when people are like, "What's your oldest memory?" My oldest memory of going to a film is fucking Titanic. The reason why it stood in my mind is because we ha- we sat at the front, the very front. Like so you're watching. So you're watching Titanic. A, people way can't above fucking see you. this and looking it's way up. above you and you're looking up I just think because it was it was really stupid oh, but anyway. boobs? so her nipples boobs. were like 10 feet 10 feet yeah in front of you. I don't know stupid story long boring story skip to Tom <laughs> <laughs> this giant boob oh, anyway Christopher Nolan uh, no so we're talking about film we're talking about the films that got us into film and yada yada all the things that gave us it gave like, us you know, a nerd on nerd, for film nerd on and all that stuff um so Growing up with my terminal illness, uh, being Asian. Um, (laughs) Every time. I just love saying it. Um, My parents, ever since I was like maybe five years old, they asked me what I want to be when I grow up. And it was, you know, like kind of like Josh was saying, like, it's, you know, it's like not easy growing up. I think all of us could say it wasn't easy growing up. We all had like our struggles, not to demean anyone's specific struggles, but you know, the huge stereotype is like your parents are very career focused for your for your life. And my parents, you know, not different from that. And every year they would ask me on my birthday, like not even a cake. They'd say, he's like, what cake do you want? Like, what career do you want? I'm like, my God, like, I just want to play <laughs> with toys, like watch Beast Wars and, you know, fuck off. Um, Maximals, maximize. Yeah. And uh, every year until I was about maybe like nine years old, I would say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And I had an older sister growing up and my parents would uh, say, why don't you be like her? She knows what she wants. And I was like, Jesus. I was like, I don't, I don't know what to so tell you. So much pressure. Yeah. And uh, what I did know at the time was I loved watching movies. And so, like I, I've said before, like my the VCR was almost like a third parent to me. And watching like the original VHS Star Wars, watching like my oh, yeah. parents had this huge video collection of like all these Arnold Schwarzenegger movies and Stallone yes. movies. I grew up watching all these like mm-hmm. action Stop movies. Stop where my mom will shoot. 
Yeah. And uh, watching like classic Stallone, watching a lot of like um, Disney movies and everything like that. So I've watched a crap ton of movies, but the one movie that I watched over and over and over again when I was a kid was actually The Mask. <laughs> oh my God, The Mask. The Mask. The Mask. Jim Carrey. Oh. And I don't know why that movie stuck out to me. New Line now, Cinema. Get out of it, kid. You bother me. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I remember watching movies that were coming out at that time would have trailers of that movie. And I was just like, oh, cool. And like, I felt it was very popular. And I was watching it. And I was like, I think, I don't know, maybe it was kind of the whole thing of like, you know, stupid, weak Stanley Ipkiss, like becoming this cool mass dude by night. And then- Cameron Diaz, its first movie thing, and then I was like, "Damn, she's, she's hot, baby!" So pretty. My first lady crush, I probably. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of jokes in that that went over my head that I didn't realize till like recent years oh. when I've watched it. Like when he's doing the balloon, balloons, and he brings yeah. out a condom. And it's a condom. Yeah. yeah, no idea when I was growing up. I was like, "Oh, it's, the balloon didn't work." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah how stupid sure. I was. What yeah. an idiot. Um, watch. God, so, that's what I so my watching <laughs> that movie over and over again, I was able to. Uh, like end up memorizing. I forgot it. I've memorized every single line watching it because I just watched it so much repetition. And uh, one year, like I was like probably nine years old. My parents like, what do you want me to go? It's like, I want to be, and I was looking up, I was at the time when the internet was like super slow. I looked at like, what's the top grossing like careers you can have. And it's like entertainment is the highest one next to sports. And so I was like, I want to be a movie director. I'm like, I want to make stories like this. And like, I want to, Give, like, I want to be able to do this with someone else. Like, give, and this is a nine-year-old Tom, who's like, I want to be able to have a kid watch a movie over and over again where they memorize it. And growing up. That's pretty cool. And growing up, just, like, watching more movies and kind of being like Josh, where it's like, I'd watch every movie. I didn't care because it was like, more movies, the better. I could learn Mm -hmm. more from it. I could learn what's what's bad. Yeah. And what's good. That's why I can do tax write-offs for my movie tickets. Yeah. 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 And uh, saying that. Um. And then, you know, I, it wasn't until around when I was 15. I was a junior in, college, in high school. And uh, my sister brought up brought home a DVD, and it was The Prestige. Oh. And The Prestige, uh, mm. if you guys know me, would then become my favorite movie of all time. It still is. Yep. Um, directed by Christopher Nolan, Christian Bale, Hugh Jackman, Scott Johansson, uh, Michael Caine, David Andy Bowie. Serkis, David Bowie. And uh, it's a movie about two magi- two rivaling magicians in a world where you know there's two not- midgets. Is that- <laughs> magicians. <laughs> I heard, I was magicians. Like, wow, story we- about two rival midgets. <laughs> Jesus, little people. You can't people. say that. I you Tom? said it. I never you said, said it. <laughs> no. Two rivaling magicians. Uh, is it was a movie that took place after the Batman Begins. Uh, and yeah. so, for me as a young dumb kid, I was like, "Ooh, it's Batman versus Wolverine, right?" Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, I love that movie. And that was actually a movie that I ended up watching every single day for a month. Wow. Um, wow. I would get home. That's your, your my fight club. Yeah, I would yeah. go home, pop into the, the PS2, watch it, and oh, right, study that And shit. then after that, I would start my homework. Like, the day wouldn't start until that I watched that movie. And until, the, you know, even until now, like, I watch it at least, like, maybe, like, once every two months just to, like, rekindle, like, the fire. Like, I was like, you know, like, the way that... Wally Fister, you know, really controls the camera and like has these really grandeur shots. And that's not Nolan's director of photography anymore, but kind of like to Ali's point, like Christopher Nolan, you know, he's able to play with timelines, but he's able to the com- like, so we're talking about film language. And to me, I think the big thing is the command of the language. You know, when yeah. you write, you know, words and sentences and paragraphs, like the way you command your, your words shows how well you know the language and the way that he's able to just kind of like pop you into different parts of timelines. And the fact is that there's three timelines happening at once. 
um, is amazing. And the fact that you're always interested to find out what's happening to the next part, it's like the best part of a, like what a TV show offers. Because a TV show knows how to keep you on edge and mm-hmm. you hate it when a commercial comes up. Yeah. But then in Christopher Nolan, you hate it when it jumps into the time. You're like, God damn it, I wanted to see what happens next. But what you find because out is it's that- It's like just cliffhanger after cliffhanger. Yeah, and what you find out is that the, the new timeline that you're on Engages with the last time that you right. were just. It's at. relevant so, to that. Yeah, so it's and it keeps it's, you going with like the the camera motions and mm-hmm. the score, like yeah. that stuff. Keeps it's it stays as if it's the same. Yeah, scene, but it. It's and not. the interesting and thing about the movie is it gives you the answer in the first scene. Yeah, yeah. It gives it, you the answer at the very beginning. And and the thing I love about like Nolan, I think as an auteur, like he really tries to focus on like we are in the world that we create, and so the prestige is a lot about like creating magic and creating like. Uh, your own destiny because, you know, spoilers, like Alfred Borden lives half a life and he shares a life with his twin brother, which is never named, is just named Fallon. Um, But then Hugh Jackman kind of creates his own nightmare because he's traveling the world and spending all this money and pretty much pushing everyone that's ever loved and cared about him in order to exact revenge. And in the whole thing, it's like magic is fake. There's always an ingenue. That's what they called it, yep. an ingenue, but uh, that would create the illusion for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but then at the very end, it was more like they found true magic, things, something that couldn't be explained, which is just science. Because Nikola Tesla is just like, yo, bro, I'll make you a clone machine. It's cool. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> and, it might be you. Yeah, and the thing is that like, he created that in there, and in all his films, I think follows the same. Follows the same like through line. But my favorite line in that film, or favorite two part, my two favorite parts in that movie, and the first part is when. Uh, Christian Bale and Hugh Jackman's characters are still like working together and they're trying to figure out um, this Chinese Chinese dude's like magic illusion like how does he get this uh, fishbowl out of like to appear yeah and Hugh Jackman can't get it uh, because he's a great showman but Alf- uh, Christian Bale's character gets it immediately because he's a great magician but not a good showman um, and he says immediately it's like this is the act. He sees the old man walking out of the theater. He's like, this is the act. And the old man's like hobbling over. Like, this is the act right here. It's like, he's actually holding the the fishbowl between his legs. Um, but then when he's not performing, he doesn't, but he's just still continuing to do that. So he lives a fake life. Mm-hmm. Like, cause he's actually a really strong old man. And the thing that Hugh Jackman didn't get is like, how, how does he pick that up? It's because this entire time you don't know that I, uh, Christian Bale's character is playing Half-Life 2. Yeah. It's like, that's what it takes. It takes a lot of self-sacrifice to get you out. And then he hits the brick wall beside him and says, to get you out of all this. Like, to get you out of the muck, to get you out of the dirt, to get you out of, like, the shit life that you have. It's like a how much are you willing to sacrifice. Yeah, and that has always, like, resonated with me, like... At what know? cost? Yeah, and it's always been, like, the, the means will justify, right? But um, Maybe. That's the question. Maybe, yeah, that's the tough thing, right? Um, and that's the really good thing at the very end. It's like, it's like... It's like I've done so much. It's like you spent a fortune. You've done nothing. Like everything you've done is like a, 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 a foolish man could have done that. Um, and then my second favorite sequence in the film is probably just the ending. Yeah, pretty much the ending when like they're having the conversation where like Hugh Jackman's character is like dying. He's like, he's got a bullet in him. And then you see Christian Bale kind of just like confronting him. It's like. He's like, you took everything from me, blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's kind of this beautiful point where, like, Hugh Jackman's like, I did it for the smiles of people's faces. I did it to, like, show that the world isn't just solid through and through, that there's magic, and we can still show that to people. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, like, you're telling me this crazy story of revenge and drama and people falling in love, people falling out of love, there's cheating going on, like, people, <laughs> like, are, tr- like, struggling to, like, in become the, the best. All. And then it's, like, also this, like, very... Very, very somber, sad, like, story that, like, 
they're like people don't believe this is magic, but they need to believe it and they they love in that. And that's the that's the big thing of the film, the prestige. It's like first part is the pledge, and the second is the turn, then the third is the prestige. Yep. And you don't look at the turn. You want to be fooled. You want the magic to exist. Mm-hmm. And ever since I was like, he's talking about film. He's talking about like shit. Like he's talking yeah. everything. It's everything in life. And it's just like that's a great. I didn't even really thought of that before. That you know, film can be put into that as well. Yeah, it's it's three acts. Yeah, right. A three act yeah. structure. Um, so that became my favorite movie of all time. Uh, but films that kind of like st- are still adding on to me. Um, when I was in college, and this was like my third or fourth year of college. I took five. I took a long time. I was a frat boy. Um, but <laughs> Professor uh, Douglas Rice. Shout, shout out, out to, to him. Douglas Rice. Uh, he is the only professor that scared the living shit out of me. Um, <laughs> whenever I took uh, notes, I used a laptop. He's like, if I see an electronic device, I'm unenrolling you from this class. And it was one of the classes you needed to graduate. Uh, so everyone, like, day one, Paper knew, notes? they knew. They were like, oh, shit. So we all had to write notes out. And we all had to read books and stuff like that. And we'd watch a movie. And it would take us three weeks to watch a movie. Um, and the movie that struck me the most was Midnight Cowboy. Oh, oh yeah. Midnight Cowboy starring John Voight and Dustin Hoffman. I'm walking here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we literally spent three hours. So there were they're, they're, they're once a week classes and they're three hour long and they're discussions. He's like, we're watching a movie. If you watched it, don't talk anything. If you haven't watched it, pay attention. Puts it in. And the first shot is a white frame. And then you hear horses and gunshots and then a, like a bolo get thrown yeah. and then he pauses and he's and the professor looks to everyone's like where are we where in the world are we because the first shot should establish where you are mm-hmm. and this is not this is the establishing shot so the director made a decision to establish you here where are you and we all looked at each other like what the hell is going on <laughs> like what do we say what do we do there's no title there's no black screen there's no building it was like uh we're in a classroom <laughs> so it it blew my mind and he's like where are we and then I was like oh, we're in the desert we're we're in the western we're in the we're we're in the the you know the the whatever right the back in the old western times and all that we're gun, you know cowboys and indians native americans indigenous people <laughs> and uh he's like okay and he plays it and then the frame pans out it pans out and what you're looking at is an old movie screen mm-hmm. on top of a of a diner or a drive-in thing mm-hmm. and in the background uh, behind the screen are real horses in the foreground closest to us are fake horses and then he pauses like well, now where are we and then it's like we're in a rundown drive-through movie theater and he's like exactly it's like what you see as reality is further away from you versus what's in front of you is fake yep and after that I was like you were just what, like, what the, the hell <laughs> How am I supposed to pick that up? I was like, I'm just some dumb kid with a video camera. What the hell? And so like I make movies. Yeah. And the prophecy so exactly. was true. And so ever since then, like my eyeballs got ripped open and like I, you know, like four more got put in there. And so it's like he and that film truly changed my offense. And so whenever someone asked me, like, what do you think is a film that has the most amount of meaning in it? I would say it's Midnight Cowboy. Because then right after that, it has John Voight in a shower and he's, you know, shot off, you know, he's framed in such a way where you see parts of his body. So it's objectifying mm-hmm. the body at, at, at that sense. And then he gets out of there and he's looking in the mirror and you think like, Oh, he's checking himself out, but you really have to like allow yourself to think that uh, Nichols, the director was allowing the f- audience to see that he's also struggling with his identity. Yeah. And so then I was just like, Oh my God, he's, and then, so that's what, how, that's how that class was like every 10 seconds, pause what's happening, pause what's happening. I was like, Oh my God. So it was like, it was almost like, 
like Navy SEAL training of the brain. Jesus. Um, but that was a film that made me like every single time. Now I'm like, Josh, I watch a movie. I can't watch the movie. I have yeah. to watch what the director is telling me. Yeah. Um, looking at acting choices, looking at just things. shots. Listening yeah. Sound. What does it mean? Like what's happening in the background? Why is that hat on like on the bedpost? Why is it not on a shelf? You know, like asking those twice, questions. Because I, I do get in the, the lost in entertainment the first time I see a film, which is why if I really have to analyze something, or if we're going to talk about it here, analyze. I'll see it twice because the second time I can go, okay, I know what's happening. I'm not going to, I'm going to pay attention now. Yeah. Um, but my last film that I want to talk about. Real quick about that, though, that famous no. line, I'm walking here. He's not actually like, he wasn't improvising. He was talking about stage direction. Dustin Hoffman was in an interview. He's like, I'm talking about the stage direction. I'm walking here. Like, I'm supposed to be walking here. The director told me to walk. So I am walking here, and you're in my shot when the taxi almost hit him. And I thought that was really interesting. Oh, I thought oh, it was nice. just like a, yeah, that's funny. I'm walking the here. The story is told differently. But wow. yeah, he's like, yeah. Yeah, he meant, I meant walking as a stage direction, not as an action. <laughs> I just yeah. thought that was interesting. Dustin Hoffman, man, like, right before that, I mean, I mean, early before that, he did The Graduate. So it was just mm-hmm. like, we watched that too. So it was like, ever since then, I started having huge appreciation for Dustin Hoffman. And then Tootsie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the last film I'm going to talk about is a film that when I moved down to LA um, to pursue my film career, I don't know, Corey's pointing at me. If you guys are, and his eyeballs are like Powerpuff Girl eyeballs right now. I'm going to get, is it exit wounds? Nope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to, I'm going to enter your Damn. wounds soon. Uh, but, uh, the film that I, when I first moved down here in 2014, uh, starring Michael Keaton, uh, was Birdman, uh, by Alejandro Ooh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And so coming out of that like film school, one shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Coming out of film school, I was, wa- I was kind of like, I don't know what I'm doing. I want to make films, but like, I want to make sure like I actually can, I have weight to what I'm thinking and how I think about story and how I think about character and how I think about like the industry as a whole. Um, to make sure, like, I, I have a place. I'm not just some kid with stars in my eyes. And um, I watched the movie because my roommates were like, dude, this is going to be the Academy Award winner. Don't worry about it. Like, don't even watch any other movie. Just watch this. I'm like, cool. And I watched it, and I was floored. I watched it. I was like, this is amazing. And I had shitty seats. I watched it uh, in the Pacific Theater outside of the Americana. And I was after, like, Christmas, so it was, like, stupid to get out of there and, like, <laughs> four hours to get out of the parking lot. But I watched it, and I watched it. I was like, this is freaking amazing and it wasn't like phenomenal then but the real reason became phenomenal for me was because a few months later was when the academy awards were going to come up and then the director and the dp uh did a tour to the um, uh to the arc light theaters here and they were showing all their films and the last film they're gonna end off was with birdman and i got a screener to watch it with them and they were gonna have a q a at the end of it and watching the movie, yeah, yeah, same, same movie. So still great. I could talk about it all all day. We could do an episode on it. We we won't, but uh, we might. We might. Uh, during the interview, um, for those who have watched it, the the ending is questionable because we don't know what happens. In the beginning, it has a bunch of shots that are reflective at the end of like a jellyfish or like a rocket, and or like a meteor falling down to earth. Like, what do these shots mean? Or like, what is the characters going through? And what is the film talking about in the industry itself? And the director answers all those questions the same way I answered it. And that was a really defining moment in my life where I was like, Oh, interesting. I an- I could have answered all those questions so for So you were speaking the same language. language. And that was the Sprechen thing I was like, Deutsch. Yeah. yeah. And the cra- th- crazy thing was like, this filmmaker had made like several films before this, all great films. And then he made this one, which was hands down the best, you know, it got the best Academy Award for cinematography and for best film and best director. Yeah. Um, and no, not best director, um, best film and, uh, uh, best, uh, cinematography. 
And it was, it was just crazy for me to think that like, I could, I could, I could have a conversation with this director. I can yeah. talk to him and we can speak the same language or we could like literally just have a drink and like talk and like, it would be great. And so for me, it felt like, okay, cool. I'm not just some kid that mm-hmm. like has watched a lot of movies and studied. This is when you knew Tom was Tom. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, that was it. And that's Tom that's, found himself inside. I think that's movie. also when I became a snob because I was like, you know what? I, I do have an idea. I do have opinions. I do have thoughts and I do feel like there's a little bit of weight to it, but I'll always be open to hear other people's thoughts too. And like have these conversations. Right. Because it's like, it's because you never know who else might share it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. that was that was really beautiful for me. I think that was nice. really well said, Tom. Yeah. He always says good I think, things. I think we learned a lot about each other this yeah. episode. I think can it was I, fun. Can I do something real quick? I have an honorable I mention. Guess, yeah. I'm just kidding. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning on- that we hate each other. Yeah. I have an honorable mention for my films. Sure. Um, because I totally forgot about this film and I wish I didn't. It's called Cashback. Um it's a film that oh, always yeah. Wait. Oh yeah. That's it, the with the stop time, right? Yeah, he yeah. can stop time. Um, mm. To me, it has really shitty reviews. But here's the thing. You don't learn from reviews. You learn by watching it. It was a beautiful film. It has amazing... Tom's going crazy because that's his... How do you feel about Rotten Tomatoes, Tom? Fuck that shit. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Everyone is all valid for their opinions and shit like that. But I just hate it when people are like, just let's look what the Rotten Tomato score is. I'm not going to watch it. Like... Before, yeah, when critics were meant to be used so they could save you money, now it's just kind of like for them to make p- funny puns because they can make it as stand-up writers. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I agree so with that. So Cashback is a is a but if an amazing puns, is an amazing film, and I I loved watching it. I've watched it many times. It was on my employee picks at Hollywood Video. I just loved it. Oh my god, I remember that. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so everybody knows um, at home exit wounds. All, this is all you need to know about it. This is all you need to know about it. It is a film that stars Steven Seagal and DMX. Oh my god! I know what? That, no, I know that movie. I just yelled into the mic. What? DMX? Yes, I, I know that movie. Oh, my dad man. has that movie. <sighs> I just, if anybody at home is going, I've been joking about fuck? DMX this whole time. I had no idea. <laughs> so that's our episode. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for watching. Um, as of right now, of for the watching, record, if for listening, wow, you can watch though on <laughs> YouTube as well. Josh, if they wanted to watch it, where could they watch it? <laughs> That's my well, not so hey, subtle segue. Segue. Um, well, yeah, you can watch our show on YouTube, but you can listen so many places. There's so many places to to listen to it. Uh, the, the big one places. is Apple Podcasts. Um, we are currently. Sorry to timestamp everybody at home. We're currently on new and noteworthy. Thank y'all. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for Snaps listening. For that. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for keeping it positive. We love you guys. Yeah. Much love. Um, yeah. Yeah. You I mean, can... It really means a lot. It touched my heart, soul. Yeah. It gave us raging nerd touched on. My nerd on. We were so happy. Um, and a lot more, a lot more listens. So that means that there is a lot more people listening to Ollie's voice. Yep. That's what it's all about, anyway. That's right? why we did it. Comes it comes I mean, in, in, in honor of that, like, why don't you hit us up on the Twitter? Why don't you hit us up on the Instagram? Like, and tell us what you might want us to talk about. Yeah, yeah. where can yeah. they find those posts, Josh? You can find us on Instagram at Nerd on the Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, Nerd on the Pod. Uh, Facebook, Nerd on the Podcast. Uh, we're not big boys on YouTube, so you've got to search Nerd on the Podcast. Um, yeah, every episode goes to YouTube, mm-hmm. um, and they're sexy. 
They're pretty sexy videos. Ollie Ollie where could they back. go when, if they forget all of that? If you forget all of that, if you remember one thing, nerdonthepodcast.com. And guess what? We have a very exciting announcement. Very exciting. We have a shirt out right yeah. now. Yeah. It's currently Multiple shirts. Sale. Yeah, multiple shirts. They look so good. They look so good. My God. Multiple colors. That nerd on swag. And... They are a limited time availability. Mm -hmm. so when is the cutoff? It is going to stop December 6th of 2017. Um, Get in time for Christmas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Get, Get your that swag special on. nerd in your life some nerdy swag. Mm. So you can nerd Sport on it. them. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Again, I'm Josh, one of the hosts. You can find me on Twitter, just Josh and you. Tom he hates it so much that mm -hmm. I say that. Just Josh and yeah. But it, he's not. It's it, for real. It's for real. My not Twitter handle is just Josh and yeah. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Joshua Sterling Manley. Instagram, Joshua S. Manley. You can find me on IMDb. You can find me uh, PS4. PSN. Yeah, PSN. Uh, Sterling J85. Let's play. It'll be fun. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, wait. Are we going back? Okay. Well, I'm going to do me. Uh, my name is Tom at Tall Dark Not Ugly. <laughs> We're professionals. Yeah. Uh, my name is Tom at Tall Dark Not Ugly on every social media except PlayStation, which is Tall Dark underscore N zero T Ugly. There you go. Um, you find me on YouTube and IMDb as Thomas Pet Borisuth. Uh, you can find some of the stuff I film with Corey. Yeah. On <laughs> and also you yeah. could find. Uh, some of my work with my boys up in SAC, uh, the Capers Crusaders on podcast app, as well as po the CapesCrusaders.com. Shout out to the Capers Crusaders. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you can find me at Corey89, C-O-R-E-Y-89, uh, or We Are Storyboard, that's B-O-R-E-D.com, or at We Are Storyboard. Hit us up. Uh, you can find me on Blizzard, too. You know, play some Blizzard games, Corthan, C-O-R-T-H-A-N, or Corthaniel on Xbox. Find me. Let's play some James. Uh, Ali? You can find me on Twitter at FutureFoe. You can find me on YouTube uh, slash plays. I do a lot of gaming stuff, so come on by. I also broadcast on Twitch. You can find me on Twitch slash FutureFoe. Come hang out. We're getting yeah. good at this. We're getting good yeah. this part. Yeah. Did, did you just say I was unprofessional? No. Okay. No. This did not happen. <laughs> but everybody at home, as always, nerd, nerd on. on. Ending broadcast.